Amen and amen. You may be seated. If you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Timothy chapter 3 today. I'm going to continue in our series entitled Focus. Focus. As you're turning there, I just want to share with you a good friend of mine, Nick Hall and Jay Anderson and the guys with Pulse and Reset.com. They're out of um, another state and they're good friends of ours and we pray for them and we support them. They held a Together Conference 2016 yesterday in Washington, D.C. Some of our folks from our church went over to spend some time there and to serve and to be fed and it was going to be a 12-hour venue from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. And you could have watched it live streaming yesterday. They had every artist, speaker that you can think of, uh, from Josh McDowell to Ann Voskamp to Francis Chan, Louis Giglio, Passion, Hillsong United, Lecrae, and all points in between. And five years in the making, possibly several million dollars for this endeavor. And, and, and I know as the years have gone by, as we have put on rush events and spending hundreds of thousands of dollars for a one- and two-day event, oftentimes people look at you and say, man, is it really, really worth that? And then we have a year like Duck Dynasty year 2014 where it actually rained. And, man, we had like 9,000 people there, and it was raining. And after they spoke, you know, maybe half the people left. But then the ones who stood in the rain and just stood and, and worshipped, and lives were changed. And two years ago when we did it up on the, on the ridge, and it was so hot, man, and people were just falling out like flies. And sometimes you step back and you look at it and say, God, what are you really doing? If you're sovereign, how many of you know that he is sovereign? If he's sovereign, then why would he allow an effort like that? to fall flat of its face. Are we doing something wrong? And so the question always kind of resonates in our hearts as we do events. And then this year we did one and we had 700 people and we scaled it way down and came in to this building and, and saw lives changed and it was amazing and it was powerful. And then you begin to wonder, okay, Lord, what are you doing? Can I just tell you this as a little precursor today, a caveat? God knows exactly what he's doing. Can I tell you that he always has an answer before you even have the question? He has forethought. The Bible calls it provision before we've ever asked any, what's wrong, God? What do we do from here? And yesterday as I watched it unfold on live stream, uh, I don't know how many thousands of people, they were expecting a million people on the Washington, D.C. mall there uh, to just come together in prayer. It didn't cost people anything to come, and, and they came together, and, man, lives were being changed. People were speaking. They were praying together, all races, all denominations. For one day, they're coming together, and they're praying in this mindset of hope and change and, and something new. How many of you know the hope is not in some political movement, but it's in the person of Jesus Christ? How many of you know that? But the reality was, it's about 4 p.m. yesterday, it got so hot, people were falling out, dropping like flies. And, and they couldn't even keep up with the, with the urgency of the medical needs as they began to unfold. And so the park uh, police, the D.C. police, and EMS worker, EMT workers and so forth came up and said, guys, we, we can't continue this. And so Nick Hall had to make that decision to honor the powers that be and shut it down five hours before it was over, building to perhaps the biggest night of worship that this nation has ever seen. And, and you stand back and you look at that. And I watched Nick handle that with such grace to just say, you know, it's not about us bringing people into the mall. It's always been about us sending people from the mall. That maybe sometimes we look even in here and we think, man, it would be really cool to have a thousand people in this room. And oftentimes I wonder, okay, what are we doing wrong? What do we need to do different? And God is saying, Mark, I'm sovereign. Mark, I've got a plan. And, and though he brought the sun yesterday and it was so strong and streaming down and lives were being changed and people were falling out, that to see Nick handle that with such grace 
was such an encouragement to me because I want, to, I want you to hear today that the reality is, is you are who you are, what you are. You're redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ, not because you're good, not because you're, you're a swell fella or a pretty good gal, because you have money, because you don't, because you have this, you don't have that. You're not saved because you're good. You're saved because he's good by grace alone. See, that's important for me to understand because much like we see in, in 1 Timothy chapter 3, the reality is, is we're living today in perilous times. The Bible says in 1 Timothy 3, 1 through 5, but know this. Look to your neighbor and say, you need to know this. But know this, the last days, perilous times will come. For men, listen to these, these little offerings, if you will, of what men will be like in the last days. For men's will be lover of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful. Un- have you ever seen unthankful culture like we live in today? Are we the most unthankful people you have ever seen in your life? Man, people will complain about not having a job. You give them a job, they complain about not having too, enough money. They complain about working on this day and this day. We're, we're unthankful. I digress. Anyway. Unthankful, holy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers. Watch this one. Without self-control. How many of you remember the day that when you acted up in school, you got a paddling? How many of y'all remember that? I mean, buddy, I remember, like I said, I remember, you know, that, that they had a pad. They named their paddle. You know that was wrong. They named it the Terminator, and, and that was way before Schwarzenegger. I mean, that thing would whistle. It had holes in it. It'd come across, pow. And they, it's like they got a joy out of it, man. They'd even bring a witness out in the hall. Watch this. I'm fishing to whip this kid with a wood beam. Anyway, it's, I tell you one thing, though, teachers. How many teachers in the house? Wave your hand at me like you just don't care. We love you guys. We appreciate you guys because your hands have been tied, and you got some crazy crazies coming in. Uh, anyway, as a youth pastor, and I, I just want to say hey to Ryan Bussey and his wonderful family. Ryan was one of my students, and uh, good to have his family with us today. Appreciate you guys being here. But I'm going to tell you something. If we don't preach this book and realize that you're not, you're not who you are because you're good, you're not who you are because you've done something sway, not because you, you're given this or you're given that or you're giving your tither efforts or whatever. You are who you are today by the grace of an almighty God. And watch what he says. Headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Having the form, watch this, church, church, this is for us. Having the form of godliness but denying its power. From such as these, turn away. Let's pray. Father, we love you today. We thank you for your word that you hold above your own name. Help me rightly divide it today in truth and in power that lives would be changed, including my own, God. Start with me and let the outflow change the world. In Jesus' name, and everyone said amen and amen. There was a man that was born in the late 1400s named Martin Luther. Martin Luther is one of the notable characters in the Protestant Reformation. A man who was a monk, he was a priest, he was a writer, he was a composer, he was a doctor of theology. He would be referred to in our right today as one of the greatest theologians to rightly divide the word that's ever lived. And in the context of his study, and, and he was a monk, so he would separate himself under marriage, and he would be married literally to the Word of God, and he would study the Word. And, and in the context of being a Roman Catholic in the late 1400s, coming out of the late medieval period, you would see that there was an urgency for the Catholic Church to be on its greatest rise ever. 
So much so that, uh, that they were sent out to sell indulgences. What that, without getting real deep into what that means, is basically that you could pay to have someone who had died that you didn't think was in hell, that might have been in purgatory, into a holding pattern, if you will, that you could pay the priest, they would pray them out of purgatory and into heaven. That you and I had the right somehow that after a person had died and their, their fate had been sealed, that you and I could do so. Can I tell you, that is erroneous, that is fraudulent, it doesn't line up with the word of God. You and you alone are the deciding factor of whether or not you receive the person, the finished work of Jesus Christ, dead, buried, and resurrected, seated at the right hand of the Father. If you deny it, your your fate is sealed for all eternity. Make no mistake about that. And the reality is, is this man, this young man named Martin Luther, as he began to plow through the word of God, he came to books like Roman, Romans and he found out that there was something else going on. And he came down in 1517 of October 31st in Wittenberg, Germany, and he wrote a 95 thesis, point by point, categorically refuting the Catholic Church's teaching. And he nailed it to the door at Wittenberg, Germany, and didn't realize at the time that he would later be excommunicated by the church to be an enemy of the state, to be an outlaw, if you will, because he stood for the word of God, that it wasn't what man said, but it was what God said. And in so doing, he came down to five irreducible principles. At that time, he would have written them, of course, in Latin, and he would have written these five words. One, of course, that we talked about last week, is solo gracia. Everybody say, solo gracia. Y'all learned a Latin phrase today. It means for by grace alone. And we begin to dive in last week and we realize in Ephesians 2.8, it says, for by grace are you saved through faith. It's not of your works. It is, listen, it is not about you. It is not of your effort. It is not of your volition. It is the grace of God. It's a gift of God. A gift is not something you earn for yourself. It's something someone gives you by the measure of love they have for you. And we're saved by grace alone. If you study the five women as they're going to be digging into, you realize that women like Ruth, who was a product of, uh, she was a Moabite, she was a product of incest, that by grace God used her to bring forth the Savior. You hear of a woman named Tamar, a terrible, tragic life, a life, a woman of irrepute, a woman of deceiver by all accounts, yet she's used by God to bring forth what man wouldn't do. She did, she lied about it, but she fulfilled God's will because man wouldn't step up and and do the right thing. Who is her father-in-law? Judah. Who is Jesus? The lion coming from the lion of the tribe of, say it with me, Judah. You see, God uses people that are not so wonderful to do wonderful things, supernatural things outside of the natural. Why? By his measure of grace. However, comma, let me offer you a big watch out. There are those today that would teach this level of grace. That would, would measure grace so strongly that if grace exists, and it does, hallelujah, but if it exists, then therefore I can do whatever I want to do. I can go out and party on Friday and Saturday. I can come back in here and worship like I'm set apart to the person of Jesus Christ. I, can I tell you something? That is a lie from the enemy. Why? You will never hear me stand up here and say, do this, don't do that, listen to that, don't listen to this. Why? Because the Bible is not a book of do's and don'ts. It's a matter of will and won't. It's a matter of heart change. It's an outflow of what I am here. Here is what I do here. The Bible says, guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it flows the issues of life. As a man thinketh in his heart, so he speaks. The reality is, is I don't have to tell you what to do and what not. I am not your faith police. Can I tell you that? Because I'm having a tough time just keeping me in line. Amen? 
The reality is, is I'm battling flesh just like you are. Oh, Mark, are you serious? Yeah. The Apostle Paul said the same thing. He said, the things I want to do, those things I don't do. The things I don't want to do, those are the things I find myself doing. The writer of nearly two-thirds of the New Testament battles spiritual warfare just like me and just like you. But by grace, he had a measure of grace that would allow him to walk in the person and the hope of Jesus Christ. But watch this with me. In Romans 5, 21, don't turn there. Well, listen, for by one man's disobedience, Adam, we were made sinners. You're born sinners. You're born in sin. So also by one man, Jesus' obedience, we were made righteous. Everybody say amen right there. That was really weak. You're made righteous because he who knew no sin became my sin that you and I may be made the righteousness of God in him. You are not worthy because you're worthy. You are worthy because he's holy. Everybody say amen. Watch what he said. He goes on to say, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. So the normal person would walk away from that and say, well, wait a minute then. If where sin abounds and sin is plentiful, grace does much more become plentiful, then why don't we just continue in sin? It makes sense to me that I can add one and one and equal two, and that if I take the natural law of man and the normal chemistry of our thought processes, that if sin is abounding, then grace does much more abound Then what he goes on to say, the writer says so then why don't we just continue in sin that grace may much more abound watch what he says forbid not how shall we then die to sin and live in it any longer you see when i have a heart changed by the grace of god i want to do different things i want to love different i want to forgive different i want to listen you in and of yourself can't forgive the unforgivable you in and of yourself can't love the unlovable but by the measure of the grace of God in your life, you can step out of what you can do naturally and step into the supernatural outflow of God through your own life. Solo gracia. We're saved by grace. Secondly, he said there's a second solo, and it's this. Sola fide. Sola fide means by faith alone. You see, the reality is, is we're saved by grace alone, Ephesians 2, 8, 9. For by grace are you saved through faith. Faith is the vehicle by which we travel the, the measure, the road of grace. By faith, the worlds were framed. By faith, watch this, are you saved? Watch what else happens. We live from, watch this, say it with me, from faith to faith. To, uh, Hebrews 12, I think it is. It says, Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. He's the birthing point of our faith. He is the finishing point of our faith. And then it goes on to say, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Look to your neighbor and say, it's impossible. Go ahead and tell them. Because some people don't grab onto that. We think, well, we can just do it because we go to church. We can do it because we, we tithe. We can do it because we live right. No, no, no. You cannot please a holy God that you cannot see, taste, touch, or feel in the context of the natural. You, the Bible says faith is the, watch this, faith is the substance of things hoped for. Something I can put my hand in. It's the faith in believing in something that I can hold when the evidence is that it doesn't even exist. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. We are counted much more on a higher level than even those who saw Jesus walk on the earth. Why? Because we've believed not with what we could see, taste, feel, embrace. We are believing based upon the, the, the Word of God and the Word of God alone. We live by faith. Verses like 328 of Romans. Therefore we conclude... 
I love the way Paul writes this to the church at Rome because this is what Martin Luther came to. He concluded in his disputation of Martin Luther of the efficacy and the power of of indulgences where he wrote this 95 thesis. He said, I conclude that I'm saved and justified by faith alone and Christ alone. And then we get to books like James, the half-brother of Jesus. And he said, well, wait a minute. Faith alone can't save you. Then he goes on to say, he says, faith by works. He said, faith without works is dead. And we, we, we look at this, and there's these theologians out there, or call themselves theologians, who try to bridge the gap between that. And they say, wait a minute, wait a minute. No, it's not faith alone through grace alone. You've got to have a work. The problem with that is they're misreading the Scripture. He's saying that because of my faith in Christ alone, by the grace of God alone, there will be a natural tendency to do something for the glory of God when I acknowledge that I'm saved by the gift of God. I have people ask me this all the time. How do you keep going? How do you, and David the same way. People ask David that. How do you keep going? They ask Stephanie. Stephanie, how do you go to Jamaica? Come home and they go, you know, Tracy and all these other people and you guys and, you know, people that serve, 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 serve. And we think, well, man, you're just trying to work your way to heaven. No, no, no. It is the outflow of who we are. I know what he saved me from. Does anybody else know what he saved you from? When I realized who I was and where I was, there is no, you can't stop me from serving him. Listen, it's just like tithing. It makes no sense economically. But Malachi 3.10 says, try me in this and see if I want to open the windows of heaven and part a blessing that you, you can't be able to contain it. You see, when I realize that I live by faith, Hebrews chapter 11 mentions 10 men and women that by faith, people like Abel, who by faith offered a more acceptable sacrifice. Do you know why? Because he gave his first to God. He gave his best to God. God didn't want your leftovers. God wants your first and your best. He don't want you left over time. Anybody tried to read the Bible when you're going to bed? Anybody ever try to do that? Go to John 1, 1 tonight about 1130. Say, in the beginning, God quit it. You're out. You know why? Because you're not giving God your first. Mark, I don't have enough time in the morning. I get up at 6 o'clock. Then get up at 530 and read the word of God. It'll change your life. Faith alone. By faith. Abraham left the Ur of Chaldees. He stepped out of something he knew and stepped out into the great unknown. By faith, the man named Noah kept catching. Can you imagine what Noah must have went through? Living in a place with people looking at him as the band comes. As people looking at him saying, dude, what are you doing? I'm building a boat. Really, dude, you're so far away from the water. Are you kidding me? Yeah, but it's going to rain. See, we kind of flippantly read through that, don't we? It's going to rain. We said that today. We go, okay, cool. It's going to be a rain. It's going to be a flash flood. It had never rained on the earth when Noah said it's going to rain. There was no rain. The, the water from the subterranean waters from beneath and, and the dew from the grass is what watered everything. There had never been a breaking open of the firmament at that moment when he's saying it's going to rain. And I'm going to build an ark. I'm going to build a boat. Man, this thing's going to be gigantic. Oh, and then they come out and go, who are you putting in it? Don't you, don't you know Noah's probably like, some animals? Two of each. Seven of some. Where are they going to defecate, Noah? 
I don't know. God hadn't told me that yet. What are they going to eat? They're going to eat you, Noah. No, he just told me to grab some hay. Don't you know that it took an incredible amount of faith for the man of Noah to step into the great unknown and by faith alone, through the grace of God alone, way before the cross, to just be obedient to God's word. Can I tell you something? If we would get in this book and just simply be obedient to the book, we would know how to raise a child in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. Please, parents, and take this with a grain of salt. My, my kids are grown now. I can say this. Hallelujah. I got grandbabies now. It's on. It's awesome. Ain't right, Steve? Grandbabies are the bomb. Should have been able to start. You should have been able to check a box when you got married. I want to start with grandkids. Bam. But watch this. Your child is not given you by God to be your best friend. You are a steward over their life. Parent them. Listen, in here, it tells you how to do it. Marriage is on the rocks. If, I'm, not, I'm not asking you to raise your hand, but if I were to ask you to raise your hand, marriage is on the rocks today. Marriage is kind of the, the unknown. Ephesians 5.22, ladies, submit yourself unto your own husband. Submit yourself unto your own husband. Don't submit yourself to somebody else's husband. Submit yourself unto your own husband as unto the Lord, for the husband is the head of the home, even Christ the head of the church. Hey, young man, you want to know, know who to pick out when you're, when you're starting to date somebody? You want to know who to pick out? Read that verse. You know what it says? Submit yourself unto your own husband as unto the Lord. That means in the same manner that she is submitting to the Lord, she will fall under your protection of covering. If she's not submitting to the Lord, she will never line up with Ephesians 5.22. Run. And while the women are all mad at me, let's go to 525, men. He didn't tell her to do what he's fisting to tell you to do. Bless you. Bless you again. Don't do that too hard. You're pregnant. Don't do that. Okay? Ephesians 525, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. I looked that up. Do you know how Jesus loved me? When I was unlovable, when I was cursing him, when I was running from him, when I was the epitome of a Roman soldier nailing his hands and his feet and pulling the, 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 the beard from his flesh and ripping his hair out of his skull and nailing him to the cross, he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Husbands, can you love her that way? You can by faith. Which brings me to number three, and this is all we'll get to today. By grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Martin Luther realized that it wasn't the church that made him right with God. Martin Luther realized that it wasn't going before a father, a padre, or a man in the cloth who decided that he was a direct descendant of the apostle Peter by apostolic succession. He had the same authority Peter had, so therefore you got to go to... Can I tell you something? When Jesus died on the cross, the veil that separated unholy man from holy God, the Shekinah glory of God, it rent, it tore from top to bottom, not bottom to top, indicating that man had anything to do with it. But when Jesus died on the cross, gave up the ghost, the veil was rent from heaven to earth so that man could go into the holy presence of God, Boldly before the throne of God, unashamedly, without any kind of complication. Why? So I don't have to go to a man. I don't have to go to a priest. I got to go to the grace of God by faith, by Jesus alone. There's no other name under heaven given to man by which we must be saved. 
There are no other antics. There, are no, there is no plan B. What if Jesus don't work for me? No, it ain't about Jesus working for you. You need to humble yourself. Come by grace through faith to Jesus alone. Jesus said this, let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. Jesus said, I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. Look to your neighbor and say, he's coming back. Go ahead and tell him. I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, you may be also. And then here's the big question, which is not at all rhetorical in nature. It is a real question that you and I and the world at large has been asking for thousands of years. How do we get to heaven? And Jesus says very simply, but very profoundly, I'm the way. Not a way. Not one of four. I'm the way. The truth and the life. No man comes to the Father except by me. Except through me. Jesus is that name above all other names. He is that name by which every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. And make no mistake about this. There's a day. There's a day coming, and I believe with all my heart that in the context of all time, that we're living in that perilous day. There's a day coming that your knee, not you and mom, because that's, that's, your, that's, your, that's your person you hang with, not sons and daughters, sons and dads, not you and your accolades, not you and your money, not you and your business, not you and your church. Not you and your congregation. But one day, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. At one of two places, you will bow a knee to a holy God. At one, it would be the great white throne judgment. Where all sinners are judged. We will be there as the redeemed. Standing, watching, crying. Mark, we're not going to cry in heaven. There's no more tears in heaven. I mean, I heard the song back in the day. The guy wrote the song, No More Tears in Heaven. Not true. Because Revelation 21, 4 said, And I shall wipe away all the tears from their eyes. There should be no more crying, no more death, no more pain, no more sorrow for the former things are passed away. Behold, I'm making all things new, he says. Why are we crying? Because by grace alone, in Christ alone, by faith alone, I've been made right with Jesus, yet I didn't share the grace of God through faith in Him, through Jesus alone. I didn't share it. So as they're kneeling before the throne of God, crying out for their help and their hope, and hey, I did this, and I should have done that, and I joined the church, and and He says, depart from me, you worker of iniquity, I never knew you. You and I will be sobbing uncontrollably at all of the work we failed to do. Why? Because faith alone without works is dead. The outflow of my life by grace through faith in Christ should be me sharing the gospel. Should be me telling people about Jesus. Why do we not tell people about Jesus? Why are we so nervous? I don't know enough. You don't have to know nothing like the blind man. I don't know anything about Jesus being a blasphemer, being this or this. I don't know any scriptures. But one thing I know, I was blind, but now I see. You can tell him what he did for you. You can tell him what he did for your marriage. By the grace of God through faith alone. Watch this. Hear me. Or you will be at the beam of seat of Christ, kneeling before God. 
Bible says, when I see him, I don't know what I will be, but I will be like him. And as I kneel before him, I believe with all of my head, Ryan, my head, I believe with all of my heart, Ryan, that my head will be down. Why will my head be down? Because I'm going to be judged? Because I will know everything I didn't do for the glory of God. Psalms 3 says, he's the lifter of your head. That maybe he'll just kind of stand me up and say, well done. Thou good and faithful servant, enter ye in. Because you're not here, Mark, because you're good. You're here because I'm good. By grace, through faith, in Christ alone. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed today. Where do you stand? Where do you stand today? Can you say without any doubt in your mind that if I died today I'd spend eternity in heaven I know that I know that I know that if I died today I have heaven for a home most people that can't say that unassuredly they would say well man I sure hope so you see the only problem is we don't serve a hope so God with a hope so gospel with a hope so redemption plan he says these things have I written you that you may know that you have eternal life if you don't know today would you pray with me from your heart to God in faith. And he'll save you right now. You'll be born again right now. Not because of me. Not because of some fancy prayer. But by his grace through faith in him. Calling on Jesus. Pray with me now. Father in heaven. I am a sinner. I believe in Jesus. I want to ask Jesus to come into my heart. To forgive me of all of my sin. Jesus, save me. Help me to live for you until the day you call me home. Jesus, save me. If you pray that prayer today by faith, then by his measure of grace, through Christ alone, you have been made right with a holy God. There's some men, some folks standing out front, maybe a couple of women come down, that they'd love to just pray with you. So a couple of things are about to happen. If you prayed and asked Jesus in your heart right now without any hesitation, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want you right now to just lift your hand up. Say, Mark, I prayed and I invited Jesus in my heart. God bless you, ma'am. Looking around. God bless you, little one. God bless you. Anybody else? Prayed and asked Jesus into my heart. I would challenge you right now if you prayed and invited Jesus in your heart to come down and let one of these folks pray with you. You don't have to join anything. Moms and daddies, if there's a young person, one of your children sitting there with their hand up, talk to them. Bring them down here. Let Pastor David talk to them. Let them explain what they're doing and what's going on if they have any questions. How many of you could say, Mark, I, I, I need to be a little bit more bold in sharing my faith. I need to be a little bit more intentional about living the outflow of my life by the measure of God's grace through faith in Christ. If that's you today, lift your hand up. Lift your hand up all over the room. Say, I'm, that's me, Mark. I need to do more. Here's what I want you to do. The doors of our church stand wide open today. If you'd like to join our church, man, we'd be so honored to have you be a part of our family, be a part of this journey, be a part of this faith work, this faith walk. Please come today and and let us pray with you. Let us embrace you. Let us encourage you. Let us challenge you. But for the rest of you that may not be joining today or something else, if you lifted your hand a moment ago and said, I need to be doing a little more for God, not because I have to, but because I want to. You may be praying for some doors to be open. This altar is open. 
Husbands, wives, you want a great marriage? Give it to Jesus. Your children going astray? Come down here and cry out to Jesus. You want to know his word more? Come to Jesus. So everybody in this room that had their hand up, this altar is for you. I'm going to stand down front. If God has just spoken to your heart today about something else or anything, come down here and just shake my hand and let's turn around and walk away. On the count of three, I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. And if God's impressing you on any way to come forward, to join, to make a decision, just, just start walking. One, two, three, let's stand. Come. While they sing, don't just stand there and be the same person that you came in as. If God has spoken to you in any way today, come. Come now.